Hey, I'm Ryan Reynolds. Recently, I asked Mint Mobile's legal team if big wireless companies are allowed to raise prices due to inflation. They said yes. And then when I asked if raising prices technically violates those onerous two-year contracts, they said, what the f*** are you talking about, you insane Hollywood ass. So to recap, we're cutting the price of Mint Unlimited from $30 a month to just $15 a month. Give it a try at mintmobile.com slash switch. $45 up front for three months plus taxes and fees. Promote for new customers for limited time. Unlimited more than 40 gigabytes per month. Slows. Full terms at mintmobile.com. Aye, aye, man. I can't believe it. It's Ruler Roost Podcast, man. All that. Yeah, hello. Welcome to Ruler Roost Podcast, Newcastle edition. We don't actually know what we're going to call it yet because we haven't spoken to any of our guests. So it's a bit of a redundant intro. But anyway, you're used to me waffling and talking absolute shite, so it comes as no surprise. I am Jack, aka to Trunk, joined as ever by Mr. Roger Baines. How you doing, Raj? Not too bad, thanks. That was a really good Jamaican accent to start the episode. Did you, did you like that? Yeah. yeah. I felt like I was in the, the streets of Kingston when you were going on. It was it was fantastic. I like it how we've gone from doing a, a football against discrimination podcast to now mocking Jamaican accents. It's probably a bit of a fall from gracers, isn't it? Well, I don't think it was your intention to try and do that. <laughs> no, it wasn't at all. That was, that was supposed to be a Geordie accent um, for anyone who's looking for any sound clips to make us look bad for we do that well enough ourselves thank you <laughs> um but anyway yeah so let, let's let's jump straight into man city first of all mate um I'm, I'm i'm gonna be honest with you i i haven't been as frustrated by a game for a very long time which in a really weird way i actually take as quite a good sign I mean, there's there's no good way to lose four one. Um, let's let's just clear that up for a start. But just the way in which we played, um, and the manner in which certain decisions went to, went against us, should I say, at risk of sounding bitter, kind of left me feeling more angry and the world is unfair as opposed to fucking hell, Spurs, you've ruined this one again. Um, how, I mean, how before we sort of delve into it even further mate what what's your kind of sentiment around the whole thing i was reasonably pleased with the entire affair of course you can't you can't try and dress up a 4-1 loss although i think that was um somewhat flattering for for city um i don't think we were that bad i think we've we played better against them this time around than we have in in previous games the, the past couple of seasons um but uh, you the the performance aguero put in is um is one that you can't really account for, to be honest, and the uh, the referee and performance as well went somewhere to to um, to aid in the scoreline. So it wasn't it wasn't as bad as it perhaps may seem. If if all you've seen is the scoreline and the match of the day highlights, I mean, the, the way in which I watched it, I, I missed the first half entirely and had to listen to it on five live, which is ninety percent inane chatter and then ten percent the odd bit of match commentary when they can be bothered to. Um, 
so I didn't really get a full feel for that half. Um, just just listening to it like that, and then I managed to half watch the second half while I was at work. But of course, when you're at work in an office and whatnot, you've got other things going on, so you can't really concentrate. But I had recorded it at home so that I could watch a full ninety minutes and make notes when I'd I'd got back. So once I'd been through that process and managed to. <laughs> digest the game in in several different formats it was um I was, I was reasonably pleased to be honest i think you know it's kind of not your day when the ref seems to have it in for you a bit and i i, I hate sounding like one of those we was robbed type wankers but you know it, it, there was some shocking decisions and even one that went in our favor for the soldado penalty was an absolute shocker as well um but most notably obviously the the lampard penalty which clearly wasn't the fact that for Aguero's goal, Lampard was hugely offside and standing in front of the keeper. I know Alan Shearer liked to turn that on his head by saying, well, you know, but Lloris wasn't going to save it anyway. Well, you know, it doesn't mean you can just disregard the fact that there were rules in place. Um, and also, obviously, Fazio's red card. But aside for that, um, when a player like Sergio Aguero really fancies it, then you know you're going to be in trouble. Um, and he he did demonstrate yet again that he is a, a, a fine footballer, um, probably probably one of the very best in the world in his position, wouldn't you say? He's up there. He's up there. He's, he's probably what top top five, top ten, quite comfortably. And he he, he you know I've seen quite a few people lay into Kabul's performance. Is it, do you think that's a bit harsh? Because I. I can't help but think that it's a it's a tad harsh. I mean, he was definitely very very sloppy for the I believe it was the second penalty. Was it that um, the second penalty was the the one penalty of the four that was actually a penalty? It was yeah, that was the one that he gave away. Um, it wasn't great. I think he was he, he's not a slow footballer and he's he's not a bad defender. He's had the odd good game recently, especially that Arsenal one. But the form that Aguero was in, the confidence that he has to to take players on and to run at them, he did make him look a fool at times. There was there was one moment I remember where Lloris had to make a save when he was running into the box down the right hand channel, where he just gave him a, a, a change of pace, where he stopped the ball dead with his right foot and then carried on the run with his left, and because. Kabul had to stop and check his run and shift his weight. By the time he'd, he'd thought about where he was going to plant his other foot, Aguero had gone. So it was, it was, it was a case of him just being done by a, a supreme footballer, really. There's sometimes you can't analyse it too much. And the only the only explanation is really that one player is that much better than the other. It's, it's, it's his technique in and around the box, like in those close quarters, Aguero, how he just manages to seem to shift... I guess it's because it owes to the fact he's got a low centre of gravity and he's obviously very quick-footed, but the way in which he manages to kind of shift his own body position and just wrap his foot around the ball and generate so much power um, with very little backlift is just... I don't know, he's just... He is he is a phenomenal player. And, I mean, I've, <laughs> I laughably saw a few people say, well, you know, he didn't do it against Stoke, did he? Um, and a few other teams are, you know he failed to score against this season but it just seems to be a, a completely redundant commentary for me and that you know Gareth Bale didn't perform in every single game he played in our shirt but you know is that to say what he you, you judge a player by their worst performances because I, I don't know I don't really subscribe to that idea but um, I mean one player I did want to focus on from from our team you know so we don't keep waxing lyrical about Man City 
is Roberto Soldado, because um, he, as ever, has polarised opinion um, between Spurs fans, uh, with one camp saying, you know, a £26 million striker shouldn't be <laughs> struggling to score goals, let alone penalties. Um, and it was a, a pretty dismal penalty, I, I have to say. I'm not going to sit on the fence on that one. Um, but the, for me, the decision to kind of put a striker with probably a lack of confidence like he does have at the moment up for such an important moment is is questionable but um the other the other side of the argument though um so I feel like any any kind of bearing on Soldado's mental state is actually the fact that he did play really very well um throughout the game and I, I know you're very much of the of the opinion that he he did play well but can you see anything in what the critics are saying if we're to kind of present a, a, a balanced account of his afternoon? Um, I understand the frustration that he didn't score. He did have a, a couple of fantastic opportunities. Um, my reading of the, the penalty was that um, I think that there's two types of penalty takers to make it very basic. There's the, the one type of penalty taker who just puts their laces through it and wants to, to put it in each corner whenever they can. So the likes of Jermaine Defoe, who doesn't really think about it, if you remember the way he'd take them, it was, it was just all about blasting it. And for you, use another example who used to play for Spurs, Robbie Keane. He did similar to what Roberto Salvador used to do. He, he takes a bit of a, a slower run up to the ball and he, he tries to outsmart the goalkeeper, almost wait for them to make a move and then use his eyes to, to you know, psych the keeper out and try and put him the other way. And the way in which Soldado struck the ball quite tamely into a corner was indicative of the fact that he was trying to, if you look at his body language and look at the way in which he opens himself up and his eyes that he's, he's looking towards one side of the goal, he's trying to send Joe Hart the wrong way. But Joe Hart's been, I think he's saved four of his last eight or something, something like that, penalties in the league. He's, he's been really good at, um, at reading that. And he just say he's, been, uh, he's been head and shoulders above the rest. You <laughs> could if you're wanting to make a terrible <laughs> pun, yeah. See, see, um, see what I did there? But he was, um, I think he, he just got out of Fox for the penalty. I think, as, as you saw with Aguero, anyone can, can miss a penalty. Uh, yeah. they're, not a, they're not a lottery, as some people might say, but they're not a, uh, a guaranteed goal, as, as some might assume. I think the one, I think he had a chance as well about 30 seconds afterwards where it just fell to him and it was a snapshot on his left foot. And again, Joe Hart made a wonderful save. There was not much more that he could have done with the ball in the, in the place that he was to make a, as good a connection as his falling over was, um, was as, as well as you could have assumed. And on, on another day, another keeper doesn't read that as well. And it, and it goes in. So I don't think his, his chances were as clear cut as some may have made out. Um, his general play, I thought, was outstanding. Um, I thought he made the players around him that that were on on form, namely Chadley, Eriksson, and Mason. I thought he bounced off with them wonderfully, and I think that the quickness of his passing and his willingness to uh, drop into positions and uh, um, pull defenders out of the way with the runs was something that helped them so much. And um, you saw the quality of him early on when when Ryan Mason had that one on one. He had he had an easier pass on out wide if he wanted to take it. But he took the harder pass through a couple of players to Mason and he weighted the ball fantastically well. And I think his general play in, in, in and around that sort of area and, and that sort of passing was was so much better than what we've seen from Adibayor this season. And I, the only reason Adibayor didn't start, I think, was because he'd, he'd arrived back to uh, training so late from his his 
uh, African Cup of Nations games in in uh, whichever part of Africa he was in. I'm, I'm not entirely sure. I think. Uh, uh, whereabouts he was. I don't think he was in Togo. I think they were away. But um, I don't think he was fully prepared or a soldado hadn't been picked for Spain. So he'd been trained much more closely by Pochettino that week. I think he's he's done enough to keep his place for Newcastle. The last thing I'd, I'd want to see happen now is for him to drop into the Europa League team because I've made the point previously Obviously, that the players he plays around the Europa League team aren't as intelligent as the ones he does in the Premier League side, and he doesn't work as well with them, which which doesn't help his game whatsoever. And he's on hiding to nothing when he's in that sort of environment, which just makes him look worse. Um, that was what I said last time when I was when I made that socks for Christmas reference. Um, but with the Premier League side, and especially with Newcastle on the weekend, who are a bit over the place, all over the place in defence, if he can carry on that understanding with Ericsson and Chadley and hopefully Lamella, who wasn't good in the slightest against Manchester City, but hopefully will be against Newcastle if he's again given a chance to play there. If those four can carry on in a similar manner to what he's done against Manchester City, then they, they can quite happily fill their boots against Newcastle, which should hopefully be, be the start of something we'd want to, because if you, you cast your mind back to, to last summer, those four were, were were bought with the intention of playing together, and it's only really now that we've we've seen them have that time together, which is uh, a worrying a worrying thought. But half the reason why none of them are as settled as you would uh, would presume they would be by now. Another uh, you, you you mentioned him briefly there, but another shout out for Ryan Mason, who had a very composed performance again, and he he, he seems to just be taking to first team football like a. A duck to water at the moment, doesn't he, mate? Are, are, are you impressed with the lad? Do you think he deserves to keep his place? Oh, most definitely. I think he, he the things he does and the way in which he's learning his role is fantastic. He's he's by no means the, the finished product as yet. And um, uh, it makes me laugh when the, the commentators refer to him as the, the young Ryan Mason when the likes of Lamella and Ericsson are actually younger than he is. Yeah. Um, I think a lot of Spurs fans don't realise that, though, either. Yeah, he's, he's a good couple of years ahead of him. I think he's he's 23 going on 24, whereas those two have just turned 22. Um, but he, I think it's just because he's, he's just broken into the side now. But what he gives aside is, is he increases the verticality with the movement of the ball. Um, he, he's not, he's not he, you know, he doesn't dally with it. Um, he's very single-minded with this forward passing and helps in transition with the speed play. And um, that, that helps no end. It's something we struggled with a lot last season. Um, when when Benton Lab was playing and, and perhaps not not taking the impetus as much, but you can you can see between him and Benton Lab that there is that about four or nearly five years worth of difference between the two, and, and um, there's no no reason to to write Benton Lab off. I, know, um, I, I imagine I, he'll start in the midweek. I think this is the thing that's quite interesting is there's, there's always that temptation to compare Mason with Benton Lab and say yeah which one's better, but at the moment to be honest, I'd I'd sooner compare Mason with the likes of. Dembele and Polinio, and I'd say he he deserves a start ahead of them, let alone Bentaleb. Who I agree with you um, in in the respect that I've I instantly feel more comfortable having Mason in the side than I ever did Bentaleb, who although is a is a very promising player and is several years behind Ryan Mason, um, seemed to kind of look a bit rabbit in the headlights in the bigger fixtures. I always felt um, when he got dropped in for Spurs, but. There's still a, still a lot of time for Ben to Could could you ever see a, a future with those two playing alongside one another? Do you think, or are they, are they not really suited to to play 
with one another in the same system. No, I, I, it was something I said to my dad over the weekend when we were watching the Swansea game that there could be a foreseeable eventuality at some point at Tottenham where we have a, a midfield three of Tom Carroll, Ben Aleb and, and Ryan Mason, which would be, would be lovely to see in terms of how well our youth team are doing. Um, but they're all they're all part of the, the same midfield rather than being tit-for-tat in terms of uh, fighting for the same position. But it's entirely down to... The system at the end of the day, I think Mason's done really well in uh, in adjusting to the role he's been in because I think he would have played much further forward in his younger days and was much more of a, a number 10 or a second striker coming in over the shoulder. But, um, adapting to his role, he's, he's doing fantastically well and um, I, I hope the same for Bentaleb in the years to come and you have to you have to bear in mind the difference in age. I think with Mason as well, he's got that that extra bit of of, uh, of desire in him, knowing that he he's that much older, knowing that there's been talk of him having uh, talk of him leaving the club in the past because of his uh, his injury record and the fact that Bentaleb will will be afforded that little bit extra time because he is younger. So Mason knows that this is his his big chance to make an impression, and so far he's 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 doing that. Yeah, definitely, I agree with you there, mate. Um, do you, do you see uh, just to m- move forward to our Europa League tie against Asteras Tripoli? Is that is Tripoli? Is it? It's not yeah, tri- it's... not Tripolis, is it? Uh, no, it's Tripoli. I don't think Tripoli. it's national. No. Um, on Thursday, can you see Mason starting in that at all? Do you think we're going to push him to to playing that many games, or is that going to be another one for Paulinho? Do you think to jump into? No, I think uh, it'll be. You know, I think he'll be wait, he'll be rested. Sorry for the Newcastle game. I think it'll be a, a midfield including Dembele and probably Polino that plays in that one with Bentaleb rather than Mason. I think um, the, the lads that hopefully played this weekend will will be waited and, and left until next weekend. The only one that I'd probably include midweek would be Fazio, who's been sent off, so he's gonna he's gonna be suspended for the Premier League. So there's no use using him there. Um, I'd be be playing him there and allowing Vertonghen to play next weekend. I mean, thus far in the in the Europa League, Tripoli they've registered a one all draw away at Besiktas and beaten Partizan two nil um, at home in Greece. So they're they're, they're obviously not a, a completely two bob outfit. We're going to need to bring a, a, a decent game um, when we do face them. Um, do you have those concerns at all about it affecting our our weekend kind of fixture? Yeah, do you want to see the whole team rotated essentially? I don't think I don't think the the rotation is what uh, hurts us in terms of the weekend. Um, the travel element uh, is somewhat of it, but I think the, the large part of it is down to preparation time. The fact that um, Pochettino doesn't have a, a full week in which to prepare for. A fixture on the weekend where the other manager may may do it. It doesn't allow him time to get over his ideas, and the fact that we are so soon into his into his you know him trying to get his feet under the table and trying to get his ideas across. The fact that he's having to limit that and do it in smaller chunks rather than being given that extended period of time hurts our our game plan and our preparation. That I think. Th- if you look at Rodgers last season at Liverpool, he didn't have the, the Europa League to worry about. And I think Liverpool went out of the Cups fairly early as well. So he had the extended period of Cups to 
uh, in the cup, sorry, in the league to prepare his side for the weekend fixture, which is why Liverpool seemed to start games so much more bright and were so much more ready. So Pochettino doesn't have that. So if he's allowed to to swap ten players and, and keep the ones for the weekend fresh, I don't think that's a, that's a bad thing necessarily. Um, I think the fact that everyone's playing and everyone knows their roles and the fact that you can evaluate everyone over a much um, much longer period is, is probably better than trying to to overplay key members of his squad. Yeah, well, I'd uh, I'd agree with that, mate. Um, now, well, I, I suppose probably the best time now to just go and talk to the Geordies. I reckon. You reckon, Raj? Not do ya? Yeah, go on then. Let's talk to some Geordies. Welcome back to Rule the Roost, Mr. Taylor Payne of uh, Tay- Taylor and Bestie Podcast. How, how you doing, mate? I'm okay, bud. How are you? Nice to speak to you again. Yeah, and, and yourself. And yourself, uh, you've been a bit under the weather lately, haven't you? Do you care to share any tales of your, your woes uh... of the listeners? Oh, yeah, let's get the violins playing in the background as well. Yeah, I've, um, I've broken, well, I've shattered the bones in my wrist, my right wrist. Um so I've got I've now got ten screws in there and a metal plate. Um it's a lovely colour. Um yeah, so the last couple of weeks hasn't been hasn't been brilliant, to be honest. Uh so I'm I'm currently sorting that out. I almost feel obliged to make a shit joke about punching horses or something at the moment, but I uh, all right, yeah. yeah. No, go on, go on. That's your usual sort of. That's your uh, usual uh, level. Yeah. <laughs> well, you see, what I've done there is I've made the shit joke without making the shit joke. You see, so I've yeah, covered my covered my back. It's um, quite clever. <laughs> yeah. Well, you know, that's what that's what they teach us in schools down south, mate. You know, right. uh, yeah. Yeah. We, we do maths and English and stuff. Yeah. 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 Just being a smart ass, I presume, is what you do. It's, no, that's it was a course in absolute twattery. I think was mine. But uh, I'm not. I'm not tell you how I did it anyway. Really? Oh, okay. Well, 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 well. It was around about the time all of those um, celebrity photos got leaked onto the internet. So <laughs> I think the less said, to be honest. <laughs> well, another Tottenham podcast actually got in trouble for for making light of that. So we should probably veer really? away from that. Yeah, they were they were branded oh, well. branded misogynists. So right, you, you can distance yourself from those particular remarks. In that case. <laughs> I do vehemently. Um, anyway, yeah, let's 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 go on. The the season so far, mate. Um, do, doom and gloom, yeah. as far as you're concerned, or is it um, is it light? It's not been great. It's it's been. Uh, it, it started badly and it's got steadily worse from there, I would say. Um, we, we have had a couple of big injuries. Sim De Jong, who came in from Ajax, who was the, the Pardew's missing piece of his jigsaw. Christ knows what the jigsaw was of. Um, I don't think it was a football team, but um, <laughs> he was apparently the missing piece of the jigsaw. He picked up some ridiculous injury um, where, from what I can gather, one of his legs basically fell off. Um and he's he's been he's going to be out until sort of February time. So he was probably our, our big sort of our big potentially our big signing ex Ajax captain, you know. Uh, and we have got him. And and the other lads who've come in just haven't really um, hit the ground running, with the exception maybe of Callback, who's you know he's all right, but it's Jack Callback, you know. I mean. Talking about your new signings, I mean, you, you sort of your big hope was Remy Cabella, right? Or Cabea, however, however you want to pronounce it. I think it was about 12, 13 million you spent on him. 
Yeah, or Kabbalah, as the guy of Much of the Deer pronounces oh, it. Kabbalah, okay. Oh, yeah, okay. but it's all to artistic license. So <laughs> I'm not going to be uh, too strict on him. Bit of a bouquet bucket type job, is it? Yeah, or... yeah, yeah. Is it? Yeah. But he's he's dropped him, Pardew, pretty much straight away, hasn't he? Is it, is that down to his performances, or is it down to Pardew being Pardew? Or well, what 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 seems to have happened is when he came in, Pardew made a big song and dance about about how great and wonderful he was and how the fans don't need to worry anymore about Ben Arthur not being here. We've got this new guy who's going to be our our sort of big player. Um, and when he came in, he looked like he looks like a seven-year-old child who's <laughs> who's won a competition to train and play with, with the old lads, you know, with, with senior teams. Like, have you seen Tom Carroll at place at Tottenham? I have seen Tom Carroll at place at Tottenham. Yeah, I mean... I maybe... exactly the, the reference you're making there. Yeah. yeah. Yeah, but he's he's a bit lightweight and um and he's I've, he's been bullied a lot, I think, and I don't think he was expecting it. Um and there was one point in the game against Crystal Palace where we were we were three two up, um, with three minutes left to go, and he pushes the ball down the line and he runs after it. Palace player touches him on the arm and he falls down, shrieking like a girl, looking for a free kick. And the ref just waves him and says, no, come on, get up. Um, so he got a bit of a huff on, and what happens is he steams into the centre circle and puts a bad tackle in, gives away a foul from the resultant free kick. We give away uh, a goal. So I think Pardew went, right, that's that. That's you finished for a little while, young man. So I think he's uh, I think he's, he's going with other options at the minute, which means, of course, everyone's favourite cranium with a stick for a body, Gabriel Overton's getting a run out. <laughs> Which you know is always nice to see, I suppose. When you when you support somebody else except Newcastle. Yeah. <laughs> I mean, with regard to sort of what's going on with with Pardew, do you, I mean, do you think it's gone a bit too personal? Because I mean, I, you can see from the outside, everyone can sort of lay in and say, "Oh, you know, fair enough." Fans have got a right to voice their opinion against a manager and all the kind of sack Pardew dot com. Yeah. Malarkey. I mean, do, do you think there ever was a point when it got pushed a bit too far? Because I can understand on a human level that, yeah, it, it maybe did. But to me, like, he, he, he does seem like an absolute bastard of a bloke who, oh, yeah, yeah. who, I mean, who that, wouldn't that, give that, a shit if it was happening to anyone else. But, yeah. You know. Yeah, I mean, he's 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 a thoroughly unlikable chap, and that's always been his downfall. You know, if if he had a bit more humility about him, um, and he was a little bit more uh, a little bit more thoughtful in the things that he says and the actions um, that he that he does, you know, I think I don't think he would have the problem as much. But because he's an arse, <laughs> I think when he does fall, I think it's spectacular, and I think people love it. Um, not Newcastle fans. I have to be honest. We we always hate it when when uh, when things are going wrong. Um, but uh, fans from the outside, so people like like Spurs supporters, for instance, who I've been in contact with a few of, um, find it <laughs> Sorry utterly about hilarious. That. No, that's fine. You're well within your rights. <laughs> I mean, this is not. Let's let's just let's just um, put this into context here. This is not like when you lot were well, when some of your lot were asking for Villas Boas to be sacked. Um, or when you know when you've had managers in the past, and I mean, let's be honest, Spurs haven't exactly had a hard time over the last few years, if we're being honest, mm. um, compared to some clubs. This is a guy who has only won five games this calendar year. Bloody hell! Didn't realise it was that bad at all. Oh yes, yeah. my friend. Oh yes, this is a guy who who has the worst home record of any Newcastle manager in the Premier League. For Newcastle, this is a guy who is. 
<laughs> breaking records left, right, and center, uh, and not the good kind. Uh, they're all they're all bad stats. Um, if if you, this is something I just spotted today, and I didn't know this, but if you ran the league from Christmas last year through to now, if if the league started on Christmas, we would be bottom, and we'd be about ten, twelve points adrift of every other team in the league. So, I mean, where, where did it? Where did it go so catastrophically wrong? Because I can remember. I think was it his? I think it was his first full season. The year we finished fourth and Chelsea stole the Champions League place off of us. You, you were chasing yeah. us all the way, pretty much until the last couple of weeks for fourth place. You were right up there yeah, we, in the mix. We ended up fifth. Yeah, yeah, yeah for the right. whole season. But you, you played some absolutely amazing football that year as well. And you were, we it looked like the, the old, you know, everyone's second team, Newcastle, were coming back. I mean, it but did, yeah, exactly. Where, where did the wheels come off exactly? Well, what, what Newcastle have, have failed to realise yet again is you can't sell your best players and replace them with untested, young, budget players from the continent without, without regressing, you know? It, it, it's always going to happen. So you sell Demba Bar. Uh, and then you don't have anybody to bang in the 15 goals that he was banging in that year. Um, and you keep Papa Cissé, all right. The, the, the gamble was that Papa Cissé was going to score the goals on his own. Subsequently, he had a really awful season that, that following year, and his confidence was shot. And you bring in people like Johan Gufran, who was never a prolific goal scorer. Um, you bring in Musa Sissoko, who we've needed that type of player for a few years, I thought, the big powerhouse central midfielder. Um, but he's not somebody like Johan Kabai who's going to weigh in with a load of goals. You know, Johan Kabai was scoring seven, eight goals a uh, season, penalties, free kicks, and he was making assists as well. Um, and I think when you when you sell those players, the, the likes of Kabai, Tabushi went to Arsenal, um, and Denver Bar went to Chelsea. When you do sell those players and you don't replace them with players of equivalent quality, you're always going to drop. You're always going to. It's always going to go backwards, and it has. And it, and, and we went down. To, we dropped down sixteenth um, one year, uh, and then we went back up. We finished tenth, and I'm not. I still haven't figured out how we managed to do that because <laughs> the football we were playing was shocking. Um, but I can only put it down to the fact that we had such a good run in the start. The start of the season when Kabai and Remy was were still in the team. Um, and subsequently, obviously, Remy went back to QPR and then and then out to Chelsea as well. And we didn't replace him with the goal scorer of equivalent quality, and that's that's the problem. We got Emmanuel Rivier, who uh, either by the way we're playing or or I'm, I'm I don't I'm not 100% sure that it's Rivier's fault himself. He seems to be a decent striker. He's big and strong, but the way we're playing, we, there's just nobody up there with him. He's on his own all the time, you know. Um, so. It's it's part of the way that Pardew suddenly started playing football, where he wants this very rigid four four two three one with tracking wingers who are going to come back and help the fullbacks out all of the time, um, and nobody can be a passenger, you know. Um, but there's no help there for the striker. It's it's that and selling your best players never really uh, gets you anywhere, you know. I mean, yeah, well, I think that's something Spurs are kind of starting to find out now. Finally. <laughs> um, but I, I don't even think it's so much of a, a nefarious case in in with us. Like it, 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 it genuinely seems like not to stoke any paranoia, but it, it genuinely seems like 
the the theory that a lot of Newcastle fans, or at least I see aired on places like Twitter and through sort of conversation with mates, that Ashley genuinely does treat the club as a cash cow, that he doesn't really give that much of a shit. You, you can't really look past Rez. I, I mean, a lot of Spurs fans do feel that about Tottenham, and I, I see it in some ways. But in terms of us, like, replacing the players that we've lost, so like your Modric and Bale and that kind of thing. I think we did make a real valiant effort to replace him. And it's more so that the players we have bought in have actually just yeah. flopped. It's not so much that we tried to buy cheap replacements. Maybe kind of when you look at like, you know, putting in Chadley in place of someone like Bale. Yeah. But you know, we still added with Ericsson, Soldado, Paulinho. Oh, yeah, yeah. And I mean, I'd give, I would, I, honestly, I would give my right bollock to have Christian Ericsson in our team. Yeah. <laughs> honestly, I really would. I tap both of them. I don't. I don't need them anymore. I've got two kids now. I would be <laughs> quite you can have them both. I'm not sure what you do with them, but you know that, that's the offer I've got. And that's all I've got at the minute. So. You speak, <laughs> speak to speak to Mr. Levy. You might be able to sort yeah. something out. You know, I, he's... yeah. I mean, I always say to fans of other clubs whenever I speak to them, like, how would you feel if if Ashley had bought your club in 2008 and done and done to your club what he's done ours? You know, because we we get a lot of this stuff and and. I mean, you know, you've talked to us before about about Ashley, and you know how we feel, and you know why we feel the way we feel about him, and the way he treats the club. But what Newcastle fans get painted a lot of the time is being um, unrealistic and having high expectations, and you know all this kind of stuff, and being sort of uh, knee jerk and and stuff like that. But I I always put it to to other fans of other clubs and just say, what would you do if he'd done that at your club? You know, how would you feel? I'm sure. I'm sure you would be upset if he'd come in and done the things that he's done. You know, he got changed the White Hart Lane to the Hewless Packard Arena or whatever it might have been. Or you know, he would have been. You would have been pissed off. Yeah, you know? definitely. I, I mean, yeah. one thing that is that I would be interested to know, though, amongst Newcastle fans, are there any actually dissenting voices? People are actually quite pro Ashley that will say, "Oh, come on, be." Be rational, be realistic, be grown up. He's put X amount in because you'll find that in any kind of point of conflict with Spurs fans, be it on Sherwood or Redknapp or Levy, there will there will always be kind of surprise. You know, there's, a, there's still a, a large amount of Tottenham fans that felt we should have kept Sherwood on, even. And I mean, mm. you know, his his results what didn't exactly play against him, but it's. More Hey, I'm Ryan Reynolds. Recently, I asked Mint Mobile's legal team if big wireless companies are allowed to raise prices due to inflation. They said yes. And then when I asked if raising prices technically violates those onerous two-year contracts, they said, what the f*** are you talking about, you insane Hollywood ass!" So to recap, we're cutting the price of Mint Unlimited from $30 a month to just $15 a month. Give it a try at mintmobile.com slash switch. $45 up front for three months plus taxes and fees. Promote for new customers for limited time. Unlimited more than 40 gigabytes per month. Slows full terms at mintmobile.com. Quality sleep is essential. That's why the Sleep Number Smart Bed is designed for your ever-evolving sleep needs. Need a bed that's firmer or softer on either side? Helps you sleep at a comfortable temperature? Sleep Number Smart Beds let you individualize your comfort, so you sleep better together. J.D. Power ranks Sleep Number number one in customer satisfaction with mattresses purchased in-store. And now, save 50% on the Sleep Number Limited Edition Smart Bed for a limited time. For J.D. Power 2023 award information, visit jdpower.com awards. Only at a Sleep Number store or sleepnumber.com. Or the fact he just couldn't shut his mouth at all. Yeah, that- well, anybody... 
everybody wears a gilet and the dugout deserves to be sacked instantly <laughs> as far as I'm concerned. Yeah. But that's just my that's just my own personal sort of fashion tips and advice and take that away with you if you want. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, I, I wasn't sure about Sherwood. You always seemed like a bit of a mouthy git to me and, and, and he, he he was kind of Pardew in waiting, wasn't he? I yeah, imagine, completely. He, he, I imagine he really looks up to Alan Pardew and admires the style and, and his, the way he, he goes on in press conferences. You can see him going out on the pole together, can't you? Yeah, I'm sure we've had this conversation yeah, before. Yeah, probably. I'm sure I'm still your manager about, oh, fucking Tim, what's this? So I'm going to go, <laughs> pull the bird. Oh, darling, how you doing? I'm yeah. football manager. Yeah, I'll I'm smash sure her back doors in, mate. Yeah, I'm sure I'm sure that's what they do. Yeah. I'm sure that's what they do Horrible. together. Yeah. I bet they've got a villa in <laughs> the two of them. There's a potential for a sitcom there. I would get in touch with the BBC. Yeah, do that. <laughs> or just or one of those, like, Flying the wall, BBC Three sort of mockument, not even a mockumentary, <laughs> like you know, Sherwood and Alan hit up Maga kind of thing, you know, yeah. cheeky, cheeky Nando's at the airport, as they say, and yeah, and then at the end they bring their mum and dads out and you have to bollock them for all the shit they've done. <laughs> <laughs> when they sit around at the table at the end and it's all straight faced and they they'll show yeah. video clips back, yeah, like they, do, they, do, they do, they do that, don't they? They show them sort of poking some lass in a bus stop somewhere and it's like oh my god come on come on now Alan you're, you're, you're well into your 50s let's stop this take, take the glasses off there's no lenses in there mate no. yeah everyone knows Fashion they're just plastic friends. Yeah. Friends. Oh, yeah. dear. But, this is taking a funny turn again hasn't it I, I know but are there, are there any Newcastle fans at all that actually like Ashley basically I mean those those people that always mentioned business and, and, and um, financial footings and things like that, you know, and, and these these are, are not words that football fans really should give two monkeys fucks about, as far as I'm <laughs> concerned. It it's it's not it, you don't go to football to watch spreadsheets go up and down. You don't go to football to um, to kind of worry about the bank balance and to worry about you've spent this amount of pounds on the new pitch and. You've spent this amount of pounds on putting some new showers in the academy changing rooms. It's that's not what it's about, you know. You go to you go to be entertained. You go to take yourself out of your mundane, boring life on a, a Saturday. I'm not saying my life is mundane or boring, by the way. I'm saying that's what some people do. Just in case my missus happens to listen to this. Um, but it's it's not about that, you know. And these people who are always going on about, oh well, you know, he's done this. He's he's put us. Uh, he put us on a nice firm financial footing. I was like, yeah, but I'd rather he went and bought somebody who can dribble the ball around three players and smash on the top corner from thirty yeah, yards. You I'd know? rather we won a cup or something. You know, that'd be yeah, nice. Anything. I'd rather we won a corner at the minute. It's just like, <laughs> <laughs> yeah. I just, I would like him. I, I still, I think he's starting to understand why, why we are as we are as fans. Um, I mean. We now have a, a thing called the Fans Forum, which actually I'm a part of at Newcastle, um, <clears throat> where and we had the first meeting of the new season last night, where you go up to the ground and you meet with Lee Charnley, who's the managing director, and all the media people and uh, the fans liaison officer and all this kind of stuff. And mm-hmm. it is a, it's a fairly worthwhile pursuit, I would say. You, you don't always get the answers you want from the club, but you always get answers, um, which was more than what we had in the past, you know. We had nothing in the past. We had no communication whatsoever. So now it's nice that we have got something. Uh, might not always agree with what they say. Might not always agree with with the direction they're taking. But you know, it's one of those things. See to change. See to change. Um, well, potentially. Yeah. You know, see how it goes. Um, well, just to to move on to the game itself. Um, mm. I mean, 
who would you say? Because I'm never, I'm never, ever, ever confident playing against against Newcastle. Because even when you seem to be at your lowest point, you always seem to have a performance that you can pull out for Spurs. I, I always feel like you're a bit of a bogey. T- well, we're probably as much a bogey team for you as you are for us, really. Um, well, I remember, I remember last season when we had this conversation before the game at Whitehall Lane and, and I was saying, you know, if we can keep it tight at the back and we might hit you on the break and all this. Tim Crow made the most saves in the Premier League that a goalkeeper has ever made in a single game in that match. It was ridiculous, um, wasn't it? And, he, and, and, uh, and we defended like like our lives depended on it and, and Lloyd Remy nicked one at the other end um, and we beat, we beat you 1-0. And it was, I, I, I almost felt embarrassed taking that taking those three points off you because we were awful we were we weren't very good that day apart from defensively um but saying that your the, the finishing by your lot were, was terrible as well you know you mm. had so many chances and there was some absolute sitters missed as well i think ericsson missed an absolute sitter um so it, it's one of those with us where at the minute we're, we're really low I, I think i think you couldn't have played us at a better time to be honest because we've got a few injuries we got players who are low on confidence. Um, our defence is a, a mishmash of kind of youngsters and people like Paul Dummett um, and Colaccini, who seems to be sliding slowly towards dementia as he <laughs> as the months go on. Um, he's he's not the player he was, you know. Uh, fair enough, he can he can occasionally put himself in a good position to win a ball, or he might make a good tackle. He might bring the ball out of defence nicely, but it it. 87 minutes against Leicester on Saturday. He's sitting in on his arse, sort of just over the halfway line, while Leicester are on a break, you know? Yeah. And an experienced defender doesn't need to be doing that. He needs to be backing off, making sure everybody's organised, not sliding in, come sliding through the middle of the centre circle on his arse, trying to put a tackle in, you know, and missing missing everything. So I'm not sure. I think his, his time might be, uh, might be coming to an end. Sounds a bit latter days Michael Dawson. Um, <laughs> yeah, yeah, yeah. Michael Dawson, yeah. I mean, he'd, 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 if you threw up like a, a sort of skip full of wall bricks, he'd still try and header it, wouldn't he? So, yeah. <laughs> that's kind of the way Michael Dawson does things. Chase yeah. after frisbees and all that kind of thing as well. Yeah, yes, he's like a Labrador. Yeah, big time, big time. Big soppy Labrador. Yeah, lovely, lovely lad, though. But uh, any any predictions for the game, mate, if you, if you were forced into a corner, which you are? Well, yes. I can only see Spurs winning, to be honest. Um, but I think I said that the last time. Mm. Um, but yeah, I think I think it should be a comfortable win for for Spurs. I mean, I like your manager. I think he's a I think he's a very clever bloke. Um, I think he's obviously he's going to need time to get to know your squad, uh, and he's only been there a couple of months. Um, I do like Pochettino a lot. I think he he showed last year with Southampton what you can do with it with a. A half decent team, not even a great team, you know. A half decent team, you can you can go and get some great results places. And I think once he's had the chance to mould that Spurs team into what he wants, as long as he gets that chance, as long as a few bad results don't come his way and he gets the butler, you know, um, I think I think he should be all right. But I cannot see us. I can't see Pardew out thinking him tactically. Mind you, I couldn't see Pardew out thinking of cheese roll tactically. <laughs> the way the way things are going. And it depends on on uh, on who's firing for us. Obertan seems to be hitting a little bit of form for the first time in four years, which is nice. Um, 
But, you know, it always comes in peaks and troughs with us. So we've just won 1-0. We'll probably get battered 4 or 5-0. Who knows? <laughs> well, well, we'll see. We'll see come Sunday, mate. But uh, thanks so much for joining us again, mate. And, uh, yeah. Not a problem at all. A pleasure, a pleasure to be on. And nice talking to you again. And uh, and uh, we'll speak to you in the future, no doubt. Nice, one, mate. Thank you. Cheers, bud. <laughs> R.I.P. Smelly Bob. Thanks so much, as ever, to our Tyneside, Tyneside guests. They're always good value, aren't they? The lads from up north you northern lot are all right but i mean i suppose are they is newcastle more north to you than you are north to me raj because newcastle's miles up isn't it it's basically scotland it's only about an hour and a half two hours away from leeds in fairness it's not that not that far oh mate you're a proper troll then aren't you you're 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 a right trollers in like northern troll living up in some coal mine somewhere aren't you no no. <laughs> Just getting that one dead, yeah? Yeah. Oh, you bastard. See, I say bastard. I don't say bastard. Uh, I say bastard. That's because you're northern. Oh, do you, what, what do you pronounce an R in that word that doesn't have an R in it? Bastard. I don't know. I, I say bastard, but my mum's northern, so that's kind of... She taught me how to swear. It's what It's what northern women do, apparently. Um. Yeah, Newcastle. Are you hopeful of us getting a result there, mate? Um. Is it away or is it home? It's at home, I think, isn't it? Yeah. 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 So it's not there. It's at home. Yeah. I'd. Um. I think. Yeah. I'd. I'd. Hopefully, if if we keep a similar sort of side that played against uh, Manchester City and we we play with the same sort of uh, single-minded game plan, then I'd. Uh, I'd imagine so. I'd. Um, I'd want us to 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 try and score a few. I'd want us to be ruthless. I'd want us to to try and take the the ball by the horns. Um, but as I've as I've kept saying, really, it's not this season's not really about expectations in terms of results. It's more about performances, and there's always the the chance that Newcastle after winning on the weekend will come with a, a renewed sense of of optimism and Pardew and whatnot. So. We'll um we'll see how um how they how they play, but um I'd 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 want us to try and try and take advantage of their situation as much as possible. To be honest, I I can't see them troubling us too much. Hopefully, so it'd be more we about thought us. that last year though, didn't we? And I think the the thing is though, we can't rest on our laurels too much because Newcastle are still they're always one of those teams that always have players that are capable of hurting us. You know, as they proved last year. Um, I think last year though they they had Remy and they they had Brad Friedel in goal and as long as that doesn't repeat itself as long as we don't have yeah. Brad Friedel in goal uh, which what I can't cr- see what cruel do. twist of fate would see us have Brad Friedel in goal ever again I don't know I think Larice and Vaughn would have to like fight each other and like be both banished to to have that happen to us but um no I, I can't see Friedel being in goal which is half the reason we conceded last year and of course there was that that freak cruel performance where nothing would go in past him even though we we peppered him for large parts of that game it was a it was a strange occasion that last that last home game there's was, there's was no no real reason uh born in logic that we should have should have lost it we we're, we're quite a way into the season now one thing i just wanted to kind of touch on here um, we always say talk about touching on things. It's a bit weird, though, isn't it? I, I wish there was another turn of phrase. Like in fucking office emails when people are always going on about touching base. 
I hate that. Am I the only one that ever, whenever someone says, let's touch base, that just sinks instantly, like, it conjures up images of masturbating, you know? Is I think that's just you. Unspoken things. No, it's just you and your own insecurities. It's not, it's not an insecurity so much. Like, people just say, let's touch base. It sounds overtly sexual, like, you know. I didn't mean insecurities, but I meant, like, your, your own subconscious of wanting right, right. to to be touched by your colleagues. I guess it's like whenever people say mention something smelling a bit fishy, I just instantly think of genitals. You know, can't help it. They can they can be talking about actual fish to say, oh, it's quite a fishy fish, and I just think of like you know, UTIs or something like that. You know, I, I don't know. Maybe you I've should. Got, I've got you issues. Should, you should give your brain to to science when uh, <laughs> when you perish, because uh, I think they'll find one or two odd things up there. I dare say they will, but I think they'll be. <laughs> I think they'll be inspired as well. I think I could maybe. Maybe that's where my legacy could stem from. You'll a, be like uh, one of those things in future armor where future armor. I don't know why where my voice went then. Future armor where they've got uh, the the brains in jars. Oh my! Yeah, and they kind of glow when they talk, don't they? Yeah, yeah. It was yeah. it was odd future armor. I can't remember watching too much of it. It was a bit of a, a bit of a strange one. It had its moments. I was quite liked it, but anyway, the point I was trying to make is <laughs> <laughs> how uh, how do you feel about Pochettino so far? I'm I'm happy. He's not been been at the club long enough to draw any sort of um, conclusions from him. I've been happy with everything he's done so far. He needs he needs more time to to truly see what he's 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 going to be up to. Um, I think he's in every game. Uh, there's not been a, a game bar really the West Brom one where there was any sort of disappointment. But again, we that was so early on to his reign that it was understandable that, that hiccups like that were going to occur. So I'm not I'm not trying to draw any conclusions from him. I'm happy with the way in which he's using the squad. His game plan seems to be working fairly effectively when he when he uses them. Um we're not performing badly at all. I mean, we're on the, the same point as Arsenal are at the moment, so we, it's hardly a disaster in, in terms of what we're returning. Um so as long as he starts starts doing better in the Europa League with the the results, which I think last time was a bit of a freak with the, the Kirikash handball. Um we would have won that otherwise and as if he uh if he's if he wins the, the cup games that are upcoming in the, the Carlin Cup and the uh it's not a Carlin Cup anymore, is it the Capital One Cup, League Cup and uh, the FA Cup and the turn of the year, then um I'll be I'll be happy. But um there's there's no time to be drawing any sort of uh, conclusions from anyone, anybody that's that's dead against him at this point has has not really given him a chance and was probably made their mind up before he was appointed. In all honesty, definitely. I think the, the only thing that concerns me is some of the criticism I have seen coming out about him thus far. Is this is is essentially that kind of attack on intellectual football or clipboard managers, whatever you want to call it, um, which was one of my primary concerns before we hired him. That the type of people, not even the type of people, but just the people who got angry with AVB and his style of football and his philosophy, so on and so forth, are going to be quick to voice the same frustrations with a manager like Pochettino. And I don't want to get stuck into that cycle of the crowd getting onto a manager's back before he's really hit the ground. I, I, I know there was a bit more to it with AVB, kind of some of his comments to the media, things... 
about his candor off the pitch that wouldn't escape him, you know, the way in which he marginalised players or didn't, and so on and so forth. And I, I think what's encouraging about Pochettino is his off-pitch persona is much less divisive than AVB's was, which is why I do hold that hope that he will be given more time. Um, I mean, he does seem very kind of amiable in press conferences. It seems as though like the players are making the right noises about him, um, even though they generally did around AVB. But uh, I'm positive. I would just like to see him be given a, a decent lump of money in January because I think the the team at the moment, I don't think we should just write this season off completely. Um, I don't think we should just look at this as a completely transitional season. Um, and not to say I don't you know think we should look at it with an air of that, but I just mean completely in that we are still competing and there is still stuff to be won. And we do still have a very good team and a very strong foundation at the moment. Um, and I think it would hurt for us to actually, you know, halfway through this season, make a, a couple of substantial signings and have them bed in for the second half of this season and see how they fit in with what, you know, Pochettino is implementing at the moment, as opposed to having a whole season of him implementing this plan, getting to a point, buying people in summer, and then having to step back again as these new players get phased in, if you if you see what I'm saying. I think that's highly unlikely. I think <laughs> genuinely, I think January is not a point in which um, they're going to be interested in in uh, investing too heavily. I think they're going to the, what the squad that we have now is essentially the, the squad that we're going to have until next summer. It's, it's almost a, a carbon copy of um, AVB's first season, where he had to build a trust around what he was building in that first year, and then he would have been backed more heavily in that summer. Uh, the only one that we were likely to see. In January is is Yedlin if he manages to do the shady business with his lot and being passport um, and avoid the the work permit issues that he may have had otherwise. Uh, that's a, that's an addition, but otherwise I can't see too many other people coming in, especially not substantial signings, because um, I, I don't think it's a, an area in which anyone at the club thinks they're going to get any value from them signings. If you have a look at our past history of January, especially, it's not times that we've ever spent too heavily. The only time I can remember it is the year that the, the first year that Redknapp came back. Uh, we spent quite heavily then, just because he, he we, were, we were still trying to avoid relegation to some extent. So. True, true, and you can imagine it was probably Redknapp saying, "I'm only coming if I have assurances that I'm getting money to spend." Well, most of the most of the signings we made that January were essentially just tearing up deals we'd done the summer beforehand. If the amount of players we actually brought back was ludicrous, um, but Keane, Defoe, Kabul, uh, Chimbonda, Chimbonda yeah. they, they, essentially all we did was give the clubs back the money they'd paid as in instalments up until that point, and and took the players back that we'd sold them. So it was uh, it was an odd window. Uh, I don't think it's one we're going to replicate this time, and I. I wouldn't really want us to, to be honest. I don't think we're going to get too much value in January and I don't think there's going to be too many people wanting to come to us in the middle of the season. Uh, I think next year is when we're going to... Um, next summer is when Pochettino is going to get a chance to make make bigger calls with, with bigger players in terms Perhaps. of who he wants to keep I mean, and who he wants to I, go. I could conceivably see a, a Rodriguez coming over, if I'm to be honest, Jay Rodriguez. I could, I could, I could see that happening in January, perhaps. Um I think would anyone in the range of ten to fifteen million is, is likely. Anything more than that is a, is a summer signing. Anything more than that 
would require somebody of, of the stature of Adibayor or Soldado or Polino to be sold first, um, rather than it just being a straight addition. Well, uh, fuck football now. We've, you, anyone that likes football can turn off now because I, I want to discuss the gaping void in my life. Uh, it's the Great British Bake Off. Um, I've been trying to pep, like fill that slightly, mate, with The Apprentice. I watched the first episode. I just, I can't, I, like, I used to, I genuinely, I, the first few series of The Apprentice I really, really liked. The last series... I kind of I got to a point where like I'm I'm getting to the end of this now. It doesn't even seem like they're they're attempting to keep up a facade of this being in any way a cultural business type experiment. It seems to be just in like trash entertainment Big Brother style crap now, where it's like let how can we find the most irritating, weird, obnoxious people possible and stick them all on screen at the same time. Um, that seems to be the only experiment I see happening. I mean, have you have you watched any of this years, mate? I have done. I've watched the, the first two episodes, and I'm in much agreement as yourself. Nobody seems to be in it for the right reasons. I remember watching the first season when you had Tim Campbell win it, um, who's now gone on to be a professional, not a professional, I'm sorry, a successful businessman. Whereas the the majority of the people on this year, you and, and previous years even, you get the you get the impression they're only there because they see a possibility of one day becoming a presenter or... Precisely, or being um, on Celebrity Big Brother or I'm a Celebrity, Get Me Out of Here or some other such shite. Exactly. There was that the one that got that got sacked this week. Uh, was he the Scouse one? Robert, the guy who was on about high-end fashion. Um, he, he was so irritating and, and so 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 disillusioned with what he was trying to do with everything he tried to do it was um it's quite tragic and the fact that you know he was almost forced into becoming the team manager and then refused the opportunity was uh was ridiculous uh, just the way they all shout over each i can't i can't really but i haven't i haven't watched the second one but there's not even a part of me that feels any way aggrieved that you've just spoiled it for me because i i couldn't care less so oh i'm sorry i didn't i didn't realize no no no. honestly mate that's genuinely i I couldn't care less but what i did want to talk to you about is homeland now you you can i I just mention before we move that um stephen from the apprentice is one of the finest things to ever happen to television is that Um, the canadian fella yeah he's genuinely hilarious um if if it was just a show that followed him around i'd I'd, tune in every week it's probably gonna he's, happen um, mate to be honest he's the most marketable figure out of there so he is yeah he's, he's probably gonna get his own chat show or something you'll you'll find him doing something uh you still see the odd apprentice from from previous years doing the odd media bit and he's the most likely one out of these lot to to be carrying on and doing that sort of business it, it was quite interesting just to, yeah before we do go on to homeland actually the uh in the first episode as well how it was just like everyone was like well yeah you know we did have this challenge and we had uh we kind of Bought this expensive guacamole and like the hot dogs weren't as popular, but uh, I blame Stephen. And like everyone, like everyone would just say these points, like, "Well, yeah, the cab was late, and uh, it meant that we missed the meeting to get the t-shirts and stuff." But I blame Stephen. And like it, 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 it really did kind of stick out that he was being scapegoated, but he, he wasn't having any of it, was he? I, I would say. Oh no, he he fought his corner with as much sass as anyone in in history. He was fantastic. I, I hope he goes on for a long time, just because I 
I uh, I enjoy watching him, but I don't I don't see how the process of making him do all these tasks is actually because he's, they're not going to work for him anymore like they used to in the first few seasons. They're essentially just wanting to become business partners. He could have sacked someone already who had the best business plan out of all of them, but because they couldn't sell fish, they're, yeah. they're not going to be able to do it. It just those two things don't correlate anymore. It's like the the format is broken with the the, the prize in mind. Uh, that's that 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 almost feeds into how much the uh, the program has, has has lost its way in terms of what it used to be. But anyway, you were, you were going to ask me about Homeland. Yeah, well, I mean, I've, I've, you've you've told me yourself that it's definitely worth watching. I've had a, a, a few people, including including me, me dear old mum, actually tell me that I should be watching Homeland. But I've been reticent to do so. I, I, I you know I'm a bit worried about it being a kind of God bless America. The brown men that like the different god to us, well, the same god, but like him in a different way to us, they're the baddies. Um, is it that you know what? If, sell it to me, mate, because I'm I, you know I don't just want to watch some propaganda kind of spiel as as Twenty Four turned into. In my no, it's, it's nothing like Twenty Four. I think it was actually. Um, I think I'm right in saying it's a, it's a, an American remake of an Israeli program. I'm wanting to say I, th- I think it's Israeli. Okay. Um, so it's it's not America or centered around America at all. Although they are working for those sort of agencies, it's all about the the conspiracies and things like that, rather than um, America the brave and the good and what have you. I mean, uh, I, you wouldn't really catch me watching that type of program, uh, as, as you've pointed out previously. I'm not one that's going to be sat there watching that type of uh, propaganda whereas this is actually quite intelligent there's there's themes of you know mental illness and uh, post-traumatic stress disorder and um, who's a who's a terrorist who's not a terrorist all the terrorists aren't brown or ethnic or black um (laughs) it's true though it's not like it's not like uh, 24 24 which i do adore just because it it got to the point where it was that ridiculous where i actually enjoyed watching it just because jack like i said to you last time jack bauer one one of the days he he managed to be addicted to heroin and kick his heroin addiction all within about three hours um and managed to you know uh, torture half the population of some Middle Eastern country or Russia or whichever minority was was the terrorist that week. So it's um, it's much different than that. You, it's not as not as clean cut. The uh, the themes aren't as uh, aren't as aren't as obvious. So it's um, it's much more enjoyable. Okay, well, I might have a look then. It's all on Netflix now, so I might uh, might watch that. But uh, oh, I guess that's. Uh... It's been a, it's been an action packed week. Um, if if any of you haven't yet heard it, we did put out a special um, Royal Rose podcast this week, um, a special on discrimination in football. It's not it's not Tottenham centric at all. It is a, a general football piece. But uh, I've got got to again. I mean, I, I don't even feel like I deserve any credit whatsoever for it, mate. It's it's mainly Raj's hard work that's seen all this put together. Um, so well done, mate! It's something you know you should be not to sound too patronising on there, but something you should be very proud of. It's a really, really um, good thing. Um, so not to not to downplay your part in it all. I mean, I, I'm, it may be my voice on it, but behind the scenes, I, it was you that I'd always come and talk to and bounce ideas uh, off of and and try and format the thing with. So it was if if there, if there was a conceivable way that we could have 
kept the, the the quality of the show with um, with the way in which we're doing it in an actual studio and and had both of us on at the same time we would have done but the way in which it worked out it was just just me so um, it was it was still a, a very much a collaborative thing it was just you, you're going to hear much more of my voice than you are of Jack's but, um, which is a bad thing not a bad thing <laughs> it depends it depends depends uh your view on on my accent i think i think i must have fallen into my phone vice at some point for some of them just because it was it seemed a bit more prim and proper than this one so i was i was trying to be a bit more professional about the whole thing but i am i am proud of what we put together i'm proud of the themes we we discussed and explored and the people we had on from try Townsend from kick it out and uh louise from the, the direct of football versus homophobia and Anwar from the FSF who does all their discriminatory work and discriminatory work sounds like a bad thing to say. <laughs> it does, doesn't it? He's, yeah, he's, yeah. He's, he's head of their discrimination with football fan sector and uh, also Simon Cooper who, who's a, a writer for the Financial Times but has written books like Stockonomics and um, Ajax and, and wartime football books and a, a fantastic backlog of of really good football books and his his interview is one of my favourite things in, in that because he's Passionate. he's so forthcoming he's so forthcoming about everything uh, which is why we wanted to get him on he's he's um he's a fantastic journalist if you ever have the opportunity to to read any of his work and I highly recommend that as a as a fan of his there's actually a, a particular chapter in Soconomics let me find it now uh, the book is on my shelf let me grab it um where I'll, I'll I would find say, the... just just whilst you're doing that what I would say is it's really in- inspiring, I guess, about about the pieces. When you hear each of the the individuals talk about their chosen field, it's it's the amount of knowledge and the actual kind of you know the passion for their subject that they all display, um, and the 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 genuine kind of overtones that they really really care about the message that they're trying to convey, and actually the fact that they are tangibly getting results from what it is that they're 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 doing like how uh troy was saying that you know now since that uh the that kick it out has been established and has been has put itself at the forefront of uh discrimination in football um that the, the cases of kind of discrimination from all levels of football that are actually being reported now, although it's it's it's, it's risen there two hundred and sixty five percent I think was the figure yeah, that was it and it, but it seemed to be more that he wasn't taking that that it the problem is getting worse, it's more that people are recognizing that there is somewhere that they can go to talk to someone and talk about these kind of things as opposed to just having nothing at all, no kind of body whatsoever that they can say anything to aside for going and saying something to a steward who might may or may not do anything about it anyway so it's it's definitely worth a definitely worth a listen and uh yeah it, whether you agree with everything that's in there or not you should you should at least you know see that side of the uh see that side of the uh the argument um yeah as we as we stressed on the show as well it's not it's not our viewpoints being projected through other people we if you listen to the interviews, we've we've tried to make it as open as possible. They're, they're not leading questions; they're fairly open. I mean, some of them take some of them interpret it one way and answer in one fashion, and others in a different one. Uh, but I've actually found the chapter in Soconomics now. It's it's chapter six, um, and it's called uh, "Do Managers Matter: The Cult of the White Messiah." And um, that 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 sort of exploration into discrimination in football is why we got Simon on, and uh, he 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 describes that very well in the interview we had with him. Oh, there we go. Take a listen. 
Um, is there anything else going up on the site as well this week, mate? Uh, yeah, there's... Um, I can't remember. It's Ian Walker, not the goalkeeper. He, he's done a, a post-match thing for the Manchester City game, uh, which is going up any minute now, as we record. So that should be up for you to read. Okay, well, you can check all that out on SpursStatman.com, where you'll also find our previous episodes of Rule the Roost podcast. You can also find them on iTunes. Please do keep the reviews and ratings coming in. Apparently, when you give us like good reviews and ratings, it doesn't have to be good. Any reviews and ratings, it kind of pushes our rankings up and makes our podcast more visible um, to other unknowing Spurs fans who aren't yet a part of the Rule the Roost family. Um, because we are a family, aren't we? <laughs> no, we're not a family at all. I've never even met this wanker. Um, but uh, yeah, please just give us reviews and ratings because it will massage our egos. That's what that's what I really meant to say. Um, and follow us on Twitter at RTRSSM. And of course, always follow the boss man JP at Spurs Statman. Um, but aside for that, it's been a busy week. Let's hope things pick up for Tottenham. Uh, Yeah, come on you Spurs. Even when we're on a budget, we still deserve nice things. Quince is a place to scoop up stunning high-end goods for 50 to 80% less than similar brands. They have buttery soft cashmere sweater starting at $50, luxurious Italian leather bags, and so much more. Plus, Quince only works with factories that use safe, ethical, and responsible manufacturing. Get the high-end goods you'll love without the high price tag with Quince. Go to quince.com style for free shipping and 365-day returns.